Shane Woodford here on the CKNW Weekend Show. Thanks for tuning in. Beautiful-looking Saturday out here in Vancouver. Um, we've got a heavy topic to tackle next, but I think it's an important one, and it's one that I think that needs some addressing, uh, needs some change. It's one that you've probably heard before um, with other families. Uh, speed and efficiency are not words you would use to describe our justice system, and you also wouldn't use the word kind. Uh, the Brenzi families joined a list of other families in this province, and probably right across the country, who not only have to suffer a tragic, heart-wrenching loss, they're now intrinsically linked to the very person responsible for their pain. They are forced to be re-victimized every few years, every time there is a parole hearing. In this case, we're talking about a man named James Shortreed, who married um, not very long, I think it was about a month or so, uh, he married his wife, um, and then uh, her name was Iris McNeil, and then while she was sleeping, uh, he bludgeoned her to death. He then, uh, I believe it was 10 days later, was picked up in Spuzzum. Uh, he's now serving time. Um, this man had a history of violence against women that he chose to conceal from his wife and her family. Uh, horrific violence against women. And now he is looking uh, for some time out in the community. Joining me on the phone to talk about this right now is Crystal Brenzi. Crystal, how are you? Hi. Um, I'm okay. Thank you so much for having me on. Yeah, I appreciate it. And uh, I'm, I want to start by, you know, sort of apologizing. I I, I feel bad for, for your family and, and for other families that I've interviewed that are in similar situations. Um, I feel personally there should be a place for some kind of healing and the ability to get on with your lives. And even by doing this interview and hearing these awful things that you have been forced to live through kind of contributes to that pain, and I'm aware of that. Uh, so I want to offer a, a sorry to you because I know this causes you pain, but I also think it's important that we talk about this because I think that families like yours, um, they need some changes in the law, quite frankly, so that you guys don't have to go through this. Absolutely. Um, so yesterday we did attend the uh a pro board hearing yep. um, for short read um, for t- uh, temporary escorted absences, and um, so due to the um, the corrections and uh, conditional release act, uh, there was changes made last July, and uh, that required that the pro board um, uh, does a hearing to uh, grant those temporary absences yep. that are escorted. Now, the thing is, is that he already had these. Um, he actually had over 200 of them, and we were not part of that process. Um, it's actually, it was granted by the warden. But due to the law change, this is the, the pro board now has to grant um, for the continuance of them. Um, so what I'd like to really stress is actually we didn't know exactly what he was asking for. So our families traveled, took time off work, um, emotionally trying to be prepared um, to be in the same room as him yeah. and uh, sitting. So we were only told about 10 minutes before we went into the room uh, what exactly he was asking for. And um, so um, he did ask for a continuance. Um, the board, it was a five hour hearing, um, which was incredibly long um, going through his past over 25, 30 years of his crimes and leading up to the murder of my aunt. Um, he did, he was granted 
um, continuance of the uh, ETAs. And um, so for the next six months, if he if everything goes uh, smoothly, there is no incidences, then um, they would be continued on by, it would be granted by the warden. So that means we wouldn't be part of that process anymore for the ETAs. And I do have a thought about that is it's very frustrating that I believe that the decision was already made before we arrived yesterday. I feel that we were there for the formality and it's really unfair because we don't know until we're there. And so you're fighting for, you're fighting, it doesn't even matter what he's asking for, it's still the same fight. And reading out our victim impact statements are incredibly difficult. Um, um, Some of my family members did them by video um, instead because it's incredibly hard to be there. Um, I read out my dad's, I read out mine. Um, I believe that we still need to go. Um, We need to make sure that the um, corrections officers, parole officer, parole board, and also the offender, they need to be reminded what they've done. Because day to day, they move on with their lives, but they still, you know, there's, um, they need to be continually reminded. Um, there's a lot of, this, this man is, has a history of incredible violence towards women. Um, he, uh, what they called him yesterday was a power rapist. Mm. I couldn't live with myself if I didn't go. And yeah stand up and it must be it must be a catch-22 for you and i understand that you want to go and you want to um achieve justice against this person that is a completely understandable thing but and i can hear the emotion in your voice as you're talking to me it must be on the other side incredibly emotionally difficult for you to have to go through this over and over again that's correct it is it is and it's and it's just so incredibly uh, frustrating um that uh, we just went through this hearing, and in June of this year, he is up for full parole. So we are going to have to go and attend again. That part many, of it is... How many times have you guys done this, Crystal? Um, so we, this is our second hearing, because he has waived previous full parole hearings. Yeah. Um, so, or he's canceled the very, like, the day before. Yeah. So you're getting ready to go, you're preparing, it does cancel. Um you know we're uh, we are going in June. Um, there's th- there may be a slim chance he would get out. I I don't know. I don't know if he has a great chance or a slim chance. But when you hear the poll board calling him, you know, a power rapist, and the you know the the um, going over his file of how many women that he has raped since he was 16 years old, mm. and there's probably more women out there. There's probably so many more victims out there that we don't know about. Yeah. And he's only in his early 60s. He, you know, having him having access to halfway houses when he does these temporary escorted absences and meeting, he's meeting other people in, in the community and the potential for him to meet um, a woman. I, just the fear of that and having any contact of having him completely manipulate what um, another woman? What's the rationale? I don't know if you get an, you've gotten a sense of it from the warden or the parole board or whomever. What's the rationale for allowing this person out into society on their end? So what they call it is they have a corrections plan. So um, it is to um, 
I guess inside the prison, they he does uh, he's in a work program, and in order to move forward, to allow him to I guess practice the skills that he's learned in some of the programs, like in the sex offender program that he is, um, it's ongoing, and for him to practice those skills. And if he doesn't do well, then he will keep on working on that. And I don't understand, like, I don't even think he should be given any type of opportunity. Yeah. Any opportunity. He doesn't have that right. But he has that right when he's in prison. He's given a lot of rights. And uh, very frustrating. Yeah, I can only imagine. And my sympathies to you and your family. Um, how has this been for your family through the course of, of this whole ordeal? Well, over the last, um, all it'll, be, it'll be 19 years this July that my aunt was murdered. And, um, you know, uh, when you go through a, a traumatic tragedy, sometimes it brings families together and sometimes it tears them apart. And it has torn our family apart. Um, our extended family, um, our immediate family, we've really, um, it's a process. We've, we are very close now and, and we're in the fight and, but you know, it's affected my, our family health wise, um, emotionally. Um, you know, I was only 21 yeah. when this happened and it's, it's changed me. I am a very different person than I used to be. Hmm. Uh, I have kids of my own now and I, I, um, I I miss my aunt. I miss my aunt and our whole family misses her so much and she was a huge part of our lives and um incredibly there's a huge loss there and it's a physical, emotional loss. Yeah. Crystal, what what could be done to balance off achieving justice against this individual? and easing the pain on your family from having to relive this over and over again through uh, the parole board process. How could this process work better to help you guys heal and also um, hand Mr. Shortread what he deserves? I think the, um, the one thing that would ease the process is the amount of parole board hearings we have to attend. And Yes, every two years, um, but if he requests anything else, it could be up to one, two, three, four, or five different requests that he has, mm. and that can be within a two-year two period. We could be going all the time. Thankfully, he hasn't asked for more than, you know, one or two things. Yeah. Um, I couldn't imagine that it would have to go that many times. So essentially, he, he has some power to jerk your family around a little bit. Yes, absolutely. And I think actually even attending yesterday, the having to listen to him and they ask many questions and many things he says are fabricated and it's just to get a a rise out of us. It's sick. It's, um, it's uh, manipulative. And so being there, I think he knew that he was going to get these, um, this approval, but he's just there just to, make sure that we could hear over and over again what he did to my aunt in detail. And it's just, it's a sickening, um, it's just, it's incredibly sick. I wish I had a different definition to describe it. Yeah. Um, Yeah. 
What would you say to the prime minister or federal politicians that have the power to make changes here within the system in order to help protect your family? I would request that that they would continue with the every two years. That is that is the standard. That I do think that it is important. It is important for families to um, to fight. I do think there should be a restriction on how many times they can apply for different types of parole in between those two years. Okay. Uh, Crystal, uh, we'll let it go at that, but um, I want to, again, offer my sincere thank you for uh, coming on in such a difficult topic and such an emotionally troubling one for yourself. I think it's important to talk about it, but as I said off the top, I recognize that this has an impact on you, and I I sincerely apologize for that. Well, thank Um, you very much for having me on. And I hope you get the change that you need, because I feel very strongly that your family and and others I have talked to uh, need to be alleviated of this process and also get the justice you deserve. So, Well, I agree. Thank you very much. Crystal, thanks again, and uh, I wish the best for you and your family. Thank you. Crystal Brenzi, um, whose aunt Iris McNeil was murdered by a guy named James Shortreed, who is now going through the parole process, which means the families, uh, the family of the, of the, uh, of the woman that he killed are, are forced to relive those events and to relive the emotional trauma uh, over and over again. And as you heard in that interview, that he has, in some essence, power to uh, play with those victims, which is, I, I don't have a word for that. I, I can't believe we have a system that allows that to happen. We're going to take a break. News to the top of the hour coming right up.